Hey everybody, welcome to the very last message in this series, How to Get What You Want. The title of this one is, Say Yes to the Best. We're going to come back to that in a really important way in just a few moments. Okay, how to get what you want. Just in case I have said something that is really unclear in this series. Just in case I said something with the wrong tone at a buddy of mine say, Oh, his wife tells him, it's the tone, it's the tone that messes things up. So just in case something was unclear, here is the thing I need you to know. I really, really want you to get what you want. But my passion for that pales in comparison to Jesus. As it's written in uh, the book of Romans, the apostle Paul writes, if Christ is for us, who can be against us? Jesus is for you. He wants your best. That's the message of the Bible that Christ wants your best. So let's, let's get after it. Let's get it. Genesis chapters 1 to 11. Remember, that's the basis again. It's about us, about humanity, about what always happens. We keep reaching, reaching, reaching for what we think is our best, but then we're deeply disappointed. Has that happened to you? It sure has happened to me many, many times. Now, the Bible is a really big book. This, this message today is kind of like part two of what we talked about last week. So last week we said the Bible is a revelation of the best information. It's a short list, but it's the best list, the best ideas of all. Say yes to the best. And last week we said self-love isn't true love. We all want love. We desperately want love. But self-love is the lowest level of love and it will leave us dissatisfied. There is something more. Now today, What's the big principle at work? What is the best so that we can get what we want? Well, let's read it. Genesis chapter 16, starting in verse 1. Now, Sarai, Abraham's wife, had borne him no children, but she had an Egyptian slave named Hagar. Where did she pick up that Egyptian slave, by the way? When they made an ill-advised trip to Egypt. That's where it happened when Sarah uh, was so abused because she, she was treated with such an injustice there. But when they left, they left with a bunch of slaves. So probably Hagar was in that. So when they said, we're going to do our own thing, we're going to choose what we think is best. And they went down to Egypt. Problems, problems. Verse number two. So she said to Abraham, the Lord has kept me from having children. Go sleep with my slave. Perhaps I can build a family through her. Literally, it says, I can be built up. Now watch that. That's really important. She thinks, here is me reaching for what is going to help me attain what I really want. My best. I'm going to be built up. But something happens. Abraham agreed to what Sarai said. So after Abraham had been living in Canaan 10 years, Sarai, his wife, took her Egyptian slave Hagar and gave her to her husband to be his wife. Isn't that interesting? The exact same words used in the story of Adam and Eve. Eve took the fruit of the tree that they should not eat from, took and gave to Adam. Here, you see that Sarai took Hagar and gave to the husband, thinking she's going to be built up. But what happens? Verse 4, he slept with Hagar. And she conceived, when she knew she was pregnant, she began to despise her mistress. Then Sarai said to Abraham, 
You are responsible for the wrong I'm suffering. I put my slave in your arms and now that she knows she is pregnant, she despises me. May the Lord judge between you and me. She thought she was going to build up, but instead she was brought low. She was despised. She was ashamed. She was empty. Same thing happens with Adam and Eve. Same thing happens with Sarai and Abraham. How about you? It's happened with me many times. I reach, oh, that's going to make me fulfilled. Oh, that's going to be the thing I want. And I reach it and I get it deeply. I thought it was going to build me up. Instead, it tore me down. Has that happened to you before? Well, here's the principle that is at work that's going to help us with that. So final verse, very important here. This is where we get, say yes to the best. Verse six, your slave is in your hands, Abraham said. Do with her whatever you think best. What did Sarai think best? Then Sarai mistreated Hagar. So she fled from her. So Hagar just runs out into the desert. She's alone. She's pregnant in the middle of the desert. She's in a very perilous situation because Sarai thought the best thing to do was to mistreat Hagar. And she runs to a place. And then you get something really fascinating here. It's a very, very, very sad story. But something happens out in that desert. And God's, God appears to her. And Hagar is the very first person in all of Scripture to give God a name. And she calls the place where she is, Beer Lahai Roy, which stands for this. You are the God who sees me. You ever felt that way before? You going through something terrible? Like, does God even see me? Hagar says, you are the God who sees me because God sees you. No matter what situation you're in right now, no matter how bad it is, no matter how hopeless it seems, God says, I see you. I see you. And this is exactly what God says to Hagar. I am the God who sees you. So God says to Hagar, out in the middle of the desert, you're going to have a son. Call his name Ishmael. Now, Ishmael means this, he who God has heard. So she's there, the first person in the Bible to give God a name, the God who sees me. And you're going to have a son and his name is Ishmael. And I'm going to bless you. I'm going to watch over you and I'm going to keep you now. Help me complete this really well-known phrase. What goes around, put it in the chat. How does that end? What goes around, Justin Timberlake actually uh, wrote a song a number of years ago, sang a song a couple uh, years ago about this, about what goes around. He talks about the fact that he's dating his girlfriend. She cheats on him. And now the person that she cheated with on him Well, that person is now cheating on her. And he's like, what goes around? You cheated on me. Now you're getting cheated on. I have no sympathy. I have no sympathy for you whatsoever. Because what goes around, how do you put, I hope you put that in there. What goes around comes around. Or payback is a, don't put that in the chat. Don't put that part in the chat. All right. Thank you. All right. But what goes around comes around. There's this cycle. This is what's going on here. Now, check this out, everybody. This is a very, very important principle. Again, the Bible is a revelation of the best information. It's a short list. 
but the best list of the principles that we need to get what we want. And the Bible just keeps saying those principles over and over again. These stories in the Bible aren't like, oh, here's another story. Here's another principle. No, it's a redo of the most important principles that if I put them in place in my life, I will get what I want. And why does the Bible do that? Because our minds are leaky. I heard that years ago. I'm like, exactly right. That I identify with that. Is your mind leaky? My mind's leaky. I think about this. My wife is an incredible gift giver. Incredible. And here's something about incredible gift givers. That when they give a gift and they think a lot and they put a lot of thought into giving a gift, they would like to see a response. I'm a non-responder on, on gifts. That was just the way I always was. So she'd give me a gift. I'd open it. I'd say, oh, thank you. And i put it aside. No, no, no. Talented gift givers like my wife, Krista, they want a response like, oh, thank you. You work so hard. They also like to be given gifts. If I go on a trip, just pick up something small and say, I was thinking about you. But do I do that? I mean, there's a very short list of things that are really important. to her. Do I do it? No, my mind is so leaky. And I come back from a trip like, how can I forget again? What's the one thing we learned from history? What is it, everybody? We don't learn from history. Our minds are leaky. We keep repeating the same failures. God knows that. That's why in God's word, he just keeps giving the same major revelatory principles that will help us get what we want. Now, all that being said, what do you think Sarai is going to do after she was mistreated down in Egypt? So Abraham, Abraham, her husband, in a position of power, says, Sarai, deny the marriage. I'm going to commit you to adultery. You're going to suffer a grave injustice. And Pharaoh is going to take you as his wife. And you're going to, um, you're going to be abused. You're going to suffer. Pharaoh in a position of power takes her, takes her. And she suffers. Now, what is happening in Genesis 16 is the mirror image of all that. Now Sarah is in a position of power. She knows what it's like to suffer in injustice from a person in a position of power. Would she ever, ever consider doing the same thing? It is so natural for us. What goes around comes around. And Sarai does the exact same thing to Hagar. She passes along the abuse and the injustice. God says, Abraham and Sarai, I'm calling you to be conduits of blessing. And instead, what they are is conduits of cursing. And God says, this cannot continue on. So here's the thing I want you to write down for today. Here's the principle. What goes around must stop. If you really want to get what you want, what goes around must stop. Sarai should have put a stop to it. Abraham should have put a stop to it. And that's the principle. What goes around must stop. You know, it's natural to us to seek to pass along the cursing, right? It's natural to us because broken people break people. It's natural to us to pass that along, that injustice. Revenge can feel so sweet. I remember, you know, we we meet at TJ as a church, Thomas Jefferson Middle School. And that's where I went to school. And when I'm there, I often think about a bully that was in school there when I was in school. This guy just bullied everybody. But when I was in middle school, Northern Virginia had an influx 
of people from Vietnam, and many of them were children. And I remember there was a there was a guy. He wasn't that big, and the bully was real big. There was a guy from Vietnam, and he wasn't that big at all. And this bully started picking on him, and this guy just came back so strong. He was fearless, and that bully backed down, ashamed and embarrassed. And I remember thinking, "Oh, I love it! Yes, revenge is so sweet." But there's a point where you stop. You stop the injustice and there's a point where then you commit more injustice and there's a balance that is there. You have to say to this principle that's going on, when it passes that point, you got to speak truth to power and put it into it, but you can't keep passing along the injustice, right? So here's the principle for today. What goes around must stop. Okay, as I said last week, biblical philosophy or wisdom, what the, what the Bible is pointing to so clearly is the way the world ought to be. Greek philosophy is the way the world is. What the Bible is talking to us about is the way the world ought to be. Now, Hagar and then eventually Ishmael suffer so much wrong. I mean, it's such a sad, terrible, terrible story. But there's a verse in the book of Galatians. Paul writes these. And I just, it's it's just so hard to understand. Galatians 4.30. But what does the scripture say? And here it comes. Cast out the slave woman. Speaking of Hagar. Cast out the slave woman and her son. For the son of the slave woman shall not inherit with the son of the free woman. Everybody, how do you make sense of that? Hagar's already been through enough. Now we're going to cast her out. I mean, is it okay to mistreat certain people? What's going on here? How do we make sense of what's happening here? Well, throughout the Bible, there's this thing about the firstborn. Like the firstborn are constantly not accepted over and over. Cain makes a sacrifice. His sacrifice is not accepted. We really don't understand why. And he's very hurt by that. He's very angry. Ends up killing his brother over that whole thing. That Ishmael is not accepted. Isaac is the second born. Ishmael, the firstborn. Esau, the firstborn is not accepted. Jacob, the second born is. And then how about in Egypt? A lot of people have a problem with this. Why were all the firstborn sons killed? How is that fair that all these babies die? What's going on here? Well, Romans 9.13, even to make it even more difficult, a verse that's always been confusing to me. It's said in Malachi, and then Paul repeats it in Romans 9.13. He says this, Jacob I have loved, but Esau I have hated. What? Tell me, everybody, is going on here. So here's the thing. Again, I want to end this series by talking about what has helped me so much understand the Bible. Because if I don't understand the Bible, I'm not going to study the Bible. If I don't understand the Bible, I'm going to twist and turn the Bible, maybe reject the Bible, or maybe pass along information that is really, really hurtful. So what has helped me, transformed my understanding, and just brought the Bible to life? The principles are so powerful, a revelation of the very best information. All of this goes back to the principle of the firstborn, and that starts in Genesis chapter 4. It says, Adam made love to his wife, Eve, and she became pregnant and gave birth to Cain. The name Cain means to acquire, to possess. She said, with the help of the Lord, I have brought forth a man. Now, everybody, actually in Hebrew, it's a little more nuanced than that. 
Okay. So Cain's name means basically I'm going to acquire it. And now she says, with the help of the Lord, I have brought forth a man. The, the, the essence of what's being said there in the original Hebrew, ancient Hebrew is God did it. Now I've done it. I've done it. I've, I've accomplished. God did it. I have done it and I've done it on my own. There's an arrogance and there's a pride. There is, I am going to do it my way. With the help of the Lord, I brought forth a man. I did it. Later, she gave birth to Abel. What does Abel's name mean? It means nothing. I did it. And then this means nothing. The second born is, is nothing. Now, Abel kept flocks and Cain, what did he do? He worked the soil. Now, you remember what Abraham said to Sarai before, uh, you know, she mistreats her and she runs away, Hagar runs away. He says, do whatever you think is best. This is what's going on here. Whatever we think is best is to pass along pain instead of to pass along the blessing. And whatever goes around must stop. And that is what the principle of the firstborn here. That is why God says, no, no, Cain is not acceptable. Ishmael's not acceptable, right? Esau's not acceptable. The firstborn in Egypt's not acceptable. It's looking to a principle. Listen, here's the thing that helps me so much. You want to, in wisdom literature, which is what the Bible is, look for the principle first, not the person. Because we get tied up in the person. We think, oh, God's being so mean. This is so nasty. That's not what's going on. There's a principle of the firstborn here. And the principle of the firstborn in scripture is, I did it. I'll make my own way. I'll do what I think is best. And what does Sarah do? What does she think's best? She thinks what is best is to mistreat and to cause Hagar to suffer the same abuse that she did, to pass it along. Well, it happened to me, now it's going to happen to you. And God says the principle here is what goes around must stop. That's how you are going to get what you want. Now, it says that Cain was a man of the soil. Soil, that's a constant theme, and we've talked about this. Soil, dirt. Dirt is that part of us that the Bible describes as flesh, It's self. It's getting what you want. It's self-love, the lowest form of love. Dirt, soil, earth, flesh, the world. All of those things then end up bringing us low. Sarai, she says, I'm going to be built up. I'm going to, I'm going to feel better if I mistreat Hagar. If I pass along the same injustice I suffered to her, what goes around comes around. And instead she's brought low. God wants you to be brought high, to be honored. So he says, what goes around must stop. You can't, you can't. So Cain is a man of the soil. He's doing what he thinks is best. Esau was a man of the soil, where Jacob was a man of the book. This is the principle that's being addressed here. This independence from God, I'm going to do what I think is best. God, you told me that this isn't the way that's best, but I think it's best. And we end up getting what we don't want. So here is what the dirt is. Here is what earth is. Here is what our way without the instruction of God is. I am more than willing to sacrifice you for me to get what I want. But here is the way the tree of life is. Here is what Jesus Christ is all about, the fullest expression of all of God's truth. I am more than willing to sacrifice myself in order for you 
to get what you want. That's the tree of life. That's the principle that works. Again, look for the principle, not the person. So when it says, cast out the slave woman, what is being said there, right? The principle of the firstborn, injustice, abuse, my way, right? Sarai does whatever she thinks is best, and what she thinks is best is to abuse Hagar, okay? To cause her to suffer the same abuse that she did so that she could be built up, and instead she is brought low. What God is saying and cast out the slave woman is cast out the injustice, right? So when God says, Jacob, I have love, and Esau, I've hated, what God is saying, I hate injustice, the injustice of the principle of us doing what we think is best and passing along as a conduit of cursing. God says, no, be a conduit of blessing. So look for the principle. That's the way wisdom literature works. The principle is not to reject a person. God loves Hagar. God loves Ishmael. God loves Cain. God loves the firstborn in Egypt. What God is saying is cast out the injustice. Put a stop to that. I hate I don't hate Esau. I hate the principle. I hate the principle of injustice that is happening in the firstborn. That helps the Bible to come in to a clear understanding of what's being said. Because if you read it any other way, then all of a sudden the Bible is all over the place. God says, I love all people. All people created in my image. Oh, but by the way, I hate Esau. So it's the principle at work. That has helped me so much. What goes around must stop. Now, What is so interesting, everybody, is the first three generations of the matriarch, right? You got Sarai, the wife of Abraham, and then you got Rebecca, the wife of Isaac, and then you have Rachel, one of the wives of Jacob. He has all kinds of wives, his total mess, complete terrible story, right? That that doesn't work, right? The Bible is totally saying polygamy is not going to work, okay? But all three of those generations suffer infertility. Why? I mean, particularly with Sarah, it goes so, so long with infertility. Like, what is this all about? It's the principle of the firstborn. Eve says, I did it. I possessed what I wanted with no help from God. I did it just like God. I don't need God. And so why do we have so much infertility? Well, one of the main reasons we have so much infertility is, is so that the matriarchs, Sarai, Rebecca, and Rachel know that it's a gift from God, that we must, with God's revelation of the best information, follow the very principles of God. But you know what? They get it in three generations. And then basically, you don't have any more uh, big stories of infertility going on because they get it. It only takes the women three generations. Now, how is how's Abraham? How is he going to learn the point that you can't keep doing injustice against people? Genesis 17, right after this story. What is that? Circumcision. As I said last week, the judgment of the genitals. We're going to cut something off so you will forever be reminded of this. So what is circumcision? It is a forever reminder, don't sexually abuse other people. Did we learn that as men in three generations? No, no, that went way past the first three generations, right? Samson couldn't seem to learn it. David couldn't seem to learn it. Solomon couldn't seem to learn it. We're suffering with it today. It took the women three generations in the Bible and the men, well, we're still struggling with this concept mightily. But that was the point. The point of circumcision was don't use this part of your body to sexually abuse anyone that's off limits. You do not pass that on. 
There's a concept in the Bible, unheard of, nobody had ever heard of it before. It was so foreign, and that is, you have to speak truth to power. Yes. Do you think it's good to speak truth to power? So like when somebody in a position of power physically, financially, sexually abuses somebody else, do you think it's good that they're held accountable? Of course you do. Of course you do. If you like that concept, no, if you love that concept, you can thank the Bible for introducing that concept because that was so foreign. Nobody had ever heard of that before. You just do what power tells you to do. The king has all power. And yet the Bible introduces this concept to us, this such an important concept that you have to speak truth to power, that injustice must stop. What goes around must stop. So in Israel, what they set up is you had kings, right? Now, kings in those days had all power doing anything you want, but you had a system of priests and the priest was to speak truth to power and say, hey, 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 stop that. Stop that injustice. And if the priest ever failed, the prophet would come in and speak truth to power and say, hey, cut that out. That is wrong. The Bible introduces us something so radically important that power needs to be spoken to. It must stop. You can't continue on with that. Now, we're left, right, with an ending that just doesn't feel right for Hagar and Ishmael. How is that going to be resolved in God's Word? That's what we want to look at next. So the story of Hagar and Ishmael really needs an appropriate, a moral ending because it's just an incredibly terrible story. Is that just the way it ends? In misery and hopelessness? So let's go back to Genesis 16 and let's see where she, the first person, Hagar, the Egyptian slave, is the first person in all of scripture to name God. Uh, Genesis 16, verse 13. She gave the name to the Lord who spoke to her, You are the God who sees me. That is so powerful, okay? She's in a miserable, miserable, hopeless situation. You are the God who sees me. Some of you are in that situation right now, and you need to know that God sees you. Hagar is a powerless person in a hopeless situation. God sees her. God sees you, okay? For she said, I have now seen the one who sees me. That is why the well was called Beer. Lahai Roy. This is where we left off. Okay. Now she's pregnant. She goes back. God says, okay, I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to take care of your son, Ishmael. I'm going to bless him. She goes back to Abraham and Sarai and she has the child. She has Ishmael. Ishmael grows up and then eventually Sarai becomes pregnant, right? Through Abraham and gives birth to Isaac. And one day Ishmael is making fun of Isaac. It just angers Sarai so much and she's cast out again. And we're told that she puts Ishmael under a shrub. It's only the second time in all of Genesis that word is used, a shrub, a tree. It was used when God created shrubs to bless creation. And now she places him under a shrub because she thinks Now they're going to die, and yet God shows up and says, no, 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 I'm going to bless Ishmael. He's going to be a great nation. God loves Ishmael. God loves Hagar, okay? But here they are, and this kind of last time we we see them, okay? Now, this seemingly tragic story 
does it somehow end well? Now, if you catch back up to the story of Abraham and Sarai. So Sarai, her name changes to Sarah. She dies. Abraham gets a wife for Isaac. Her name is Rebecca. The next scene that seems logical in our minds is it should be the death of Abraham. And yet we're thrown this major wrench and we're told that Abraham remarries. But not only that, everybody, he remarries. And after all those years, 25 years of can't have a kid, all of a sudden he's popping kids out. Well, his new wife is popping kids out like a rabbit, like a guppy. You ever seen a guppy give birth? I had guppies when I was a kid. Just ton. He has six sons. So he goes all this time, there's no kids. And all of a sudden, whammo. What is going on here? Right At an advanced age, he is having so many kids. Well, there's an intriguing verse in Genesis 24, 62. So when Rebecca, this new wife for Isaac, is coming, it says that Isaac is coming from Beer Lahai Roy. Now, Isaac had come from Beer Lahai Roy. He's coming to meet Rebecca. What is Beer Lahai Roy? It is clearly the place in Scripture associated, the first person to name God, Beer Lahai Roy, Hagar. It's the place of Hagar. Why is he coming from the place of Hagar? Why is he coming from the place of Hagar and Ishmael? What is going on here? What is Isaac doing there? Now, Abraham's new wife, her name is Keturah. That name means fragrant incense. And the ancient Jewish sages, like Rashi, said what is going on here is Isaac has gone down. Now he has a wife coming for him. He knows his, his wife is eventually going to be coming. And why is he in the place of Hagar and Ishmael? Because he's gone there to reunite the family. Like that couldn't be done while Sarah was alive. But that story was left hanging with a terrible injustice. And now there must be healing. It must stop. What goes around must stop. And so Isaac goes there to reunite Hagar and Ishmael with Abraham. So this has an appropriate conclusion because God is always working towards reconciliation. God wants to put Hagar back in a place of honor to reinstate her to the place that she, because she has suffered a terrible injustice because Ishmael has suffered a terrible injustice. And God says, we can't leave that story hanging. So Isaac goes there to bring the two together. I want you to think about this. Remember the first 11 chapters of the Bible are about what always happens and how we continue to sink down, down, down and lower to a place of misery. How does the story between the two brothers, Cain and Abel, end? It ends in death. Cain kills Abel. How does the story end between the sons of Noah? It ends in a curse. How does the story end of the sons of the great city Babel who were doing their own thing? It ends in a deep division. Now, how do these three stories end in the Bible? Do you think about this again? This is the undoing of the curse. This is the reversal of the curse. And as I said last week, I think it's important to put this out there again. This is what Maria Robinson says. Nobody can go back and start a new beginning, but anyone can start today and make a new ending. That's you. You've suffered. I've suffered, but God following his ways, the best principles of all, we can begin writing today a brand new ending. What goes around must stop. Genesis 25. Then Abraham, this is the death of Abraham. 
Then Abraham breathed his last and died at a good old age, an old man full of years. And he was gathered to his people. Now check this out. His sons, Isaac and Ishmael, buried him side by side. They come together at his death. It doesn't end in the death of Isaac or Ishmael. Instead, they're reunited. His sons, Isaac and Ishmael, buried him in the cave of Machpelah near Mamre. After Abraham's death, God blessed his son, Isaac. Notice this. Abraham doesn't bless Isaac. And the sages said, the ancient Jewish sages, the Jewish people who wrote this text said that Abraham doesn't bless because he doesn't want to offend Ishmael. We see God blesses his son, Isaac, who then lived near, where is he living near? Beer Lahai Roy, the place of Hagar and Ishmael. So how does the story end? Remember, remember, okay. The story in the first 11 chapters, what always happens, human nature, soil, death, dirt, tree of knowledge of good and evil, but you only get the evil part. How does it end? Cain and Abel ends in death. Noah's sons ends in a curse. The sons of Babel end in deep division. How do three, these three sons end? Well, we see it right here. Isaac and Ishmael, they end reunited side by side at the death of their father, Abraham. How does the story of Esau and Jacob with all the divisions that they experience, how do they end? They end reunited. How does the story end between Jacob's sons? I mean, man, there was some serious hatred there. I mean, they beat up their, their brother, Joseph, and sold him into slavery. At the end of the story, they're reunited. Everybody, it's the reversal of the curse. If we will follow God's ways, we will end reunited, not divided, not death, not division, not all those things. Instead, we'll come back together. This is what God is working towards, the reversal of the curse. What goes around must Stop. The Bible is the revelation of the best information. If we follow God's ways, we will truly get what we want. We have to put a stop to what goes around, thinking that we'll get what we want and ending up empty. So what we see is the conclusion to the story here is the reinstating, the putting back in the place of honor and position of Hagar and Ishmael. Are you Hagar? Have you been wronged? God wants to reinstate you and honor you and lift you up. Are you Ishmael? Have you been wronged? God wants to honor you and reinstate you and lift you up, but you're going to have to follow God's ways. Keturah, this new wife of Abraham, which the Jewish sages is Hagar, was a fragrant incense. She put that what goes around comes around. She said, I'm going to put a stop to that. I'm not going to be bitter. I'm not going to pass along the curse. Instead, I'm going to pass along the very principles that work, that actually lead me to what I want. And she got what she wanted, reunited with Abraham, reinstated. God wants that for you. Say yes to the best. Say yes to the best. Well, everybody, thank you so much for being a part of this series, How to Get What You Want. And I'm going to end in a prayer in just a moment, but I want to encourage you to join us for a brand new series next week, The Jesus Way. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you, God, that you give us the principles that if we follow them, they will lead us to where we really want to go. Help all of us, God, to do just that. 
in Christ's name. Amen.